0: Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Uh, One more hand clap of praise. And let's get right into the Word. How many's ready for the Word today? Hallelujah. I've been sitting on this Word for two weeks I had to put it in the freezer and then bring it back out and heat it up and give it to you today. Uh, Kind of a situation. Last week, I did not get to the message. The Holy Spirit, He preached His own message with just pouring out His presence on all of us. And we just worshipped all week last week. Amen? Uh, Which is awesome. And many online were able to participate. And I know it's not the same. you got to really have, I think, extra faith online to really get into it, but uh, God, no matter where you are, He can reach you and reach us with His presence. You just gotta be hungry, amen? It doesn't matter how many people are in a room, it matters how hungry the room is, how hungry people are, how many hungry people you have uh, in the body of Christ and in church and in worship services. In your prayer time, what makes a difference with you encountering the presence of God is how hungry you are, right? How hungry I am, that's what I've noticed uh, in my life and, as well. So uh, it was an amazing time Last week, uh, I want to finish the book of Acts this month, so we've got three messages including today, so two more, uh, and then we'll conclude my longest series I've ever done on the book of Acts. Hopefully you got an outline today when you got in. If you're watching online, you can go to our website, click our messages, hit resources, and then these are available for you as well. Uh, If you did not get one of these outlines, please lift your hand, and our ushers will make sure you get one. Keep it up. A couple of hands here, over here. And um, everybody else, will not we all open our Bibles? You know how we do it. Open your Bibles to Acts 26, and let's stand. We're going to read one verse today. Um, And the outlines are really good, in case I don't get a chance to finish the message. But we're in Acts 26. There's There's two more chapters to go. And what we've been doing is reading the book of Acts and trying to pull out whatever the Holy Spirit would want us to hear for the season we are in. Uh, And so that's how we've been doing. It's been a little different, but God has been speaking every single week. And how many people would admit that you may be the type of person that... Uh, almost, you, you seem to come short many times in winning things or finishing goals or maybe last year is that your, your hands are already going up. How many almost kind of people we got, amen. How many's tired of almost getting a blessing? Almost seeing God do something great in your life. Almost being able to hit those goals, come on. Almost able to see results in those diets. Almost making through a whole week of fast without cheating. Come on somebody. Almost. Well, this is the right message for you, because I want us to start this year with this in in our minds, that God don't want us to almost do anything. And and so we're going to pull that out of a scripture in Acts today. Paul is a prisoner. Everywhere he goes, he shares his testimony, which is amazing. You'll notice that In the last couple of chapters, Paul caused riots and and people just was going crazy when when, uh, he began to share his message. And he never really used a text from the Bible. Up to this point where we're reading, he had already written seven books of the Bible. And he never says in front of King Agrippa, and in front of the governor Festus, in front of the uh, Ephesians. He never stands up and says, hey, like I wrote in Philippians... Or, like I wrote in First and Second Corinthians, because those were already written while we're reading this right here. He didn't even quote from the Old Testament. No, what did Paul use that really stirred the crowd in every city he went to? His testimony. His testimony. Why? Because the most powerful weapon we have as believers is the blood of the Lamb and our... You know what Revelation says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Everybody here has a testimony if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. A testimony describes how you were before you came to Christ. A testimony also is how you met Christ, whether it was through a friend, Facebook, live, someone invited you to church, it was a a handout, you came to the Harvest Fest, it was this, it was that. How did you meet Christ? How did you hear about Jesus Christ And and you surrendered your life to him? That's your t- part of your testimony. And the third part is, how are you now? There should have been a change from the way you used to be to how you are now. Come on, somebody. Amen? That's your testimony. We just sung it today. That's my testimony. And I've learned, I call it my secret weapon. When I feel discouraged, when I feel down, when I feel really out... I really begin to just be intentional to share my testimony, my story with somebody. And every single time I do that, as I'm telling my story, I just begin to feel a breakthrough happening on the inside of me. How many know what I'm talking about today? That's the power of your testimony. That's what the apostle Paul did. By the way, this is 25 years past his his experience on the Damascus Road. And he's still using his testimony. 25 years later, he is still recalling things so vividly. I hope that is your story and that is my story. This is my 25th spiritual uh, anniversary this year. This November will be 25 years since I've encountered Jesus Christ and he's changed my life. And I look to Paul and I want to be like Paul. I want to have it fresh. I don't want to have an almost testimony. Come on, somebody. I want to have a testimony that impacts people. And so here's King... uh, or a Paul, he's a prisoner. He has appealed his case, and he's going all the way to Caesar. Okay? Well, I'd love to talk about our, using our voice, even in political and, and circles, that we, the church needs to speak up. Paul spoke up. He a- actually protested uh, and said, I'm not going to leave this city until the authorities come and apologize to me and admit that they did something wrong. You'll find that a couple chapters earlier. So Paul a- appealed, and so he's, he has to go to Caesar. So we catch him right here in chapter 26 in the second highest court in the land. This is the court right before he goes to Caesar. And he's standing in front of King Agrippa himself. He's, followed, he's sitting next to the governor. He's, he's sitting in one of the most... It's like being on the Senate floor, if you can picture this in your mind. Very powerful political leaders. Uh, and he, here comes the Apostle Paul. He's chained. They bring him out of a prison. And uh, Felix, the governor, has told Agrippa, said, you got to hear this guy's story. Okay, and so uh, King Agrippa goes, I want to hear him. Bring him on out. And so Paul comes out, and he tells his story. But what catches me every time I read this is what King Agrippa said, how he responded to the message. And I want to use that today as our text. Listen how King Agrippa responds to the great apostle. In verse 27, Paul is right in the middle of preaching, and he, he calls out King Agrippa in front of everybody. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do believe. Look at that, he's calling them out. King Agrippa, I know you believe. Do you believe the prophets? Ask the person next to you, do you believe? He's calling them right out in front of everybody. In the next verse, here it is. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. You almost... Almost persuade me. You almost talked me into it, Pastor Eddie. You almost talked me into really surrendering my life to you. Almost talked me into giving God my whole heart. You almost, almost. Paul says, "I wish to not only you, but everybody else that is hearing my voice would become almost and altogether sold out, even as I am, except for these chains." Almost. And then I want to pull a scripture out of Hebrews today, what God says in chapter 7. We believe Paul wrote this as well. He says, therefore, he is also able to save to the utmost. King James, the Old English, says uttermost. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Jesus. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. I know you're standing, but I just got to give you this. Jesus is in making intercession. What does that mean? That means he is in heaven. Not that he's in heaven praying. He represents intercession because he gave his life for you and me. So this scripture says that every time the enemy tries to come before God and accuse the brethren and accuse you of something that you're not doing or to point out your almost moments, there is an intercessor in heaven who says, not on my watch, but I'm going to stand here. That is one of mine. I'm going to finish what I started in their life. I'm able to make them from almost to the utmost. From the almost to the utmost. I want to pull people from the almost accomplishing things, almost getting on fire for God, almost getting your breakthrough, almost making it through a month being set free, almost being able to live that life to the utmost. That's the message I have for you today. Father, thank you for your word today. Work deep in our hearts today. Everybody here and everybody online that's watching, and maybe that may watch it later on on our youtube channel however they come across this message that the anointing of god come across to the hearts and listeners of people so you can bring breakthrough in the lives of people and bring us from almost to completely selling out and and getting our breakthrough and being at the utmost i pray this in jesus name amen and amen go ahead and grab a seat almost to utmost almost what a word every time I read this this always stands out to me is King Agrippa's response there he is listening to one of the greatest preachers of all times and he hears his story he takes them through his early life how Paul started out being a very educated man a very religious man but he didn't know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior he still lived his life how he wanted to live as long as he made it back in time for certain rituals and ceremonies and festivals. That's how Paul lived his life. That's what religion is all about. We live our life however we want as long as we say a couple of Hail Marys or we make it to River of Life Sunday Easter service or some of that. Like, I mean, that's, that's some of the things that we still deal with in, in our day and age. I want you to know that that's, that's almost right. <laughs> Jesus, that's almost right. He came and he gave his life so we could do a little more than that. We can experience him a little more than that. And that is having a relationship with Jesus Christ when he becomes the Lord of our life. And King Agrippa passed on that. But the word almost, what does it mean? Almost. What a word, isn't it? Almost. It means not quite. Very nearly, but not exactly. It, isn't that that's so... Man, what a word. We almost, we almost make it. We almost made it through the fast, some of them. We almost, we almost win the game in sports, right? There's almost winners. The Detroit Lions. You know, I gotta, we have learned. We are professional almost winners. Six games this season, fellas, that the Detroit Lions lost by three points or less even tied won, almost, almost won that game in Baltimore, which still hurts me to this day. May I bring this up? Tune me out if you don't like sports for five seconds, 10 seconds. The game's on the line, Detroit Lions is about to win that game. 10 seconds left on the clock and a guy, field goal kicker gets out there and the announcer says, if he makes this field goal, it would be a record in NFL history. I turned to everybody in my living room and I said, you know he's going to make that field goal. Because we are Detroit Lions and that's just how we, we do it. Sure enough, 66 yards, he kicked the field goal and won the game. Seconds over, Lions lost. Almost won the game. Almost. We've made a profession out of almost in sports. But let's move to a little bit more serious matters. There are serious goals and serious life issues that we often almost accomplish. We almost made that marriage work. We almost took that next step in our walk with God. We almost made it this long, and we almost made it through our sobriety. We almost made it through our career there without having a blemish, and we were able to keep our integrity. We almost, King Agrippa, this is very serious. As I said, he's standing in front of Paul, and he has an opportunity to give his heart to Jesus Christ. And as compelling as Paul was as a preacher and a speaker and a communicator, he said, I almost. Do you know what he was saying? I almost want Jesus in my life. That's the seriousness side of this statement. King Agrippa didn't get another chance to hear Paul. Paul then boards a ship and he heads to Rome. There's never another opportunity for King Agrippa to stand in front of Paul and say, hey, I, you know, I wanna, I'm ready now. No, no, that was, that, that was it. And by saying I almost want to be a Christian, you know what he's actually saying? He almost went to heaven. Look how serious that word almost can be. He almost made it. Man. He almost made, he almost had eternal life. He almost had his sins wiped away. He almost got his name written in the book of life. He almost had eternal life. Think of that, the seriousness of that word. Because he was put on, not blast, but he was put on the spot, I would say. Everybody standing there. His pride got to him and it choked it out. That's almost. The word utmost, what does that mean? The word utmost, the exact opposite that the scripture says in Hebrews that God is able to save to the utmost. That word means greatest. It means maximum. It means the best of one's abilities. Let me just ask you, which one do you want to describe your life? Which one do I want to describe my life? Which one do I want to describe my walk with God? And you know, the Bible is filled with both of these examples. Scriptures filled with almost people and utmost people. King Saul, the very first king of Israel, he was an almost kind of guy. You know the story. God told him to go down and wipe out the enemy. And the Bible says that he went down there, he got to looking around, and he decided to do things his way. He almost obeyed God. He actually did like 99% of what God told him to do. And because he didn't do everything that God told him to do, he ended up losing his entire kingdom. Let me tell you something. Almost is a kind of a thing that can cause us to lose our entire blessing from God. Almost is that big a word. King Saul, he's not even mentioned in Hebrews 11, he skipped over in the hall of faith. Crashed and burned. He, almost, he was an almost kind of king. And you got David, who wasn't perfect. But he was a guy that was able to allow God to turn around him from almost failing, which he almost did. He almost failed. But he ended up repenting and giving God his entire life. And not like King Agrippa, where he said, you almost persuade me. King David fell on his knees and said, God, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm the one that's been wrong here. And I'm going to repent so you can bring me from almost to utmost. And how many know that God turned David around? And David was a man that finished strong. He was a man that was after God's own heart. He went from almost to utmost. He looked at Simeon. Or I mean, you look at Samson. Samson's another guy. Who all the other judges who judged Israel uh, judged for 40 years. But Samson only did 20. He did half. He almost did as good as Gideon. He almost did as good as Deborah. He almost did as good as the other ones. But he fell short because of a secret little problem. He, he began to kind of get used to the almost. And we can't get used to the Almost. But what I love about God is, as it says in Hebrews, that God is still able to take those of us that have messed up and have become common to live with the almost. He's able to get us and bring us all the way to the utmost. Because even Samson at the end of his life, the Bible says when he had lost his eyes, they burned his eyes out and they shaved his head, which was the part of his strength and his anointing. And he was down in the bottom uh, of, the, of the basement, if you will, of the palace of the Philistines, totally forgotten and marked off. And the people of Israel, they just said, man, we just lost another one. But the Bible says that he began to call on the name of the Lord, and his anointing and his hair begin to grow again. God said, I want to bring Samson. I'm not done with you. Oh, like that scripture says, all we have to do is be willing to come to God, and he can make us go from almost to the uttermost. Amen? Give God some praise for that. Then it says that, and his hair began to grow and he killed his uh, enemies. And you go through scripture like that and you have all these examples. Jonah was another one that almost messed up his life. He ran from the word of God. He ran from the calling of God. He knew God wanted him in his kingdom and he wanted to use Jonah. But Jonah ran from it, went the opposite direction and ended up almost wrecking everybody else's life on that ship. How many know when we are almost in the will of God, we'll be miserable, but not only us, but it also will affect everybody around us. Sometimes the biggest problem isn't that there's a devil in your boat, there's a Jonah in your boat. Come on, somebody. There's not a devil in the family, there's a Jonah in the family. There's not a devil in your walk with God, but there is a Jonah in your walk with God, and that's a tendency and an attitude to want to go this way instead of that way. But the good news is that Jonah repented after being swallowed by a fish. And he willingly, gladly, I love it. The Bible says that, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. That's hope, church. There's hope, church. You might have fell short last year. COVID might have got the best of you. You almost finished strong, but you kind of stumbled and you failed. But I want you to know, here's a new year. And the word of the Lord is coming to you again this year. The word of the Lord is coming to you again this year. Saying, come on, I'm not done. I still want to make you into something. I still want to take you from the almost to the uttermost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what's the difference? I was praying on this a couple weeks ago. And during our week of fasting, I was like, God, so much I could say. And What do you want me to say and in my prayer? I haven't had this happen This was just so amazing how God this, did this and I saw the word almost Like in my mind as I was praying and then it dropped down. It was like an acronym And God said this is what causes us to almost accomplish things This is the almost right here and he gave me an acronym of the word almost and I want to give it to you And they all are a lack of something it's a lack of something. King Agrippa, had, there was something that was lacking in him for him to say, no, I want to fully commit and give you my full ability. Instead, he was like, almost. And the first one, I'm going to run through these. is a lack of motivation would be the first one. I'm in prayer. God just gave me these so quick. And I begin to meditate on them. I cannot do justice with all of these today. So you're going to have to write them down. So I gave you an outline, take notes, go home, read these, study these, and let God deal with you. And in a few minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. At the end of every service, you have an opportunity to respond. Like King Agrippa, how are you going to respond today? If you're a person that always struggles with the almost and not becoming uttermost or absolute, this is a message for you. Let the Holy Spirit bring some change in our life today. Amen? Amen. But motivation, isn't that the big problem there? Motivation. I was thinking, but man, it's such a Huge! One of the most frustrating things as a pastor sometimes is I see so much potential in people and potential in, in if people would just give God their full life. I'm asked to pray for people in our community and in our families and in the church and just being a pastor, they, I'm asked to pray with them at least two or three times every single day. I'm asked either through an email or a text message or someone and I, I don't mind that. But I've learned to start saying this instead of, they say, will you pray for my so-and-so? Pray for, I've learned to say this, no, I'll pray with you on your loved one. I'll pray with you about your loved one, your job situation. I'll pray with you, amen? Amen. And because it's something that we also need to do. And plus, two people praying for something is a lot more greater than just one person. Amen? Amen? Amen. So motivation, I'm like, man, if people would just get, get the motivation, Man, if they would just get motivated to get into their word. They got so much potential. If we would just get more motivated to go after God. If we would only get more motivated. Motivation is so key, man, isn't it? In diet, Here, here we are looking at February. How well are you doing on your New Year's resolutions if you did any? Why do people fall short on them? They lose motivation. They lose their motivation. That's exactly... You know you're supposed to finish that diet or, or accomplish that task or go for that goal. You know that's what God wants you to do, your family wants you to do, it. your boss wants you to do, whatever it may be. If you look at it, the biggest problem is being motivated. Just, I just lose my motivation. I don't know about you, but I do. I lose, my, I lose that motivation. I, lo- I know I'm supposed to do it. I remember we were finishing up our... I came off my fast last weekend, so... I don't know about you, but when I finish my fast, it's a celebration. And uh, I got a whole slab of ribs and, uh, and uh, beef ribs from a delicious place there in Dearborn and best ribs around. Beef ribs, nice sauces on point with coleslaw and mac and cheese. Come on, somebody. We need an organ on that one. I mean, I was just getting so happy, as my Uncle Everett would say, the food's so good, you can't sit down when you eat it. You've got to get up and walk around. I mean, it's just so good. And I began to eat since I was fasting all week. I couldn't tackle the whole thing, and that's a big deal for me. If i got food on my plate, I mean, oh, that's a challenge. I need to finish that food. Now, in the Markham family, you'll find, you'll find that we always finish our food and leave one little bite on the plate. But sometimes I would clean that off, too, if it's real good. But I couldn't finish this plate. My stomach was full. I remember sitting there and I said, honey, I know I shouldn't be eating all this food. And I'm going to put it away. I'm going to save half of it for tomorrow. And Melinda was like, okay. A couple minutes later, I'm still eating those ribs. She said, well, you're still at it, huh, honey? I said, I, said, I need some motivation, babe. I need, I need some motivation. Please talk me into it, please. And she said, well, I got some apple pie. That's almost moonwalk talking right there, baby. That's, that's pie. How many pie lovers we got in the house? Isn't something? Look at the pie. Amen, amen. Some of you are cake lovers. I'm a pie. you. I said pie, apple pie. Come on. Somebody. And I was able to put that bad boy in the fridge and eat my pie. Motivation. A simple little funny thing about food, but let me tell you, when it comes to serious matters, you know where you can get motivation from? You can get it from God. that, That seems so cliche. No, there's actually a scripture verse in the Bible that addresses this very issue. When I ran across it years ago, man, it about fell out of my chair. It was amazing. Philippians, Paul, the apostle, was writing this from prison. And he says, for it is God who works in you both. That means two things are coming up. Number one, to will. There's motivation. And to do for his good pleasure. Paul said God can actually give you the motivation that you need to accomplish the very task that he has asked you to do. That's amazing scripture right there. All you got to do is ask. All I got to do is ask, God, give me the, I'm struggling with the motivation. Here it is in January, starting a new year. I want to, I want to go through this entire year being more on fire for you. I want to finish my reading plan. I want to finish my spiritual goals. I want to finish my natural goals, my work goals, my relationship goals, whatever those are. I want to finish them this year, but I need the motivation. God, help me. And God says, I was waiting for you to ask me. He says it right here in this word. He will give you both the motivation and the power and the ability to do it. He does it in different ways. King David, he got his motivation to defeat Goliath by simply being around the battle. Scripture says he went down to just give out some cheese sandwiches, some rib sandwiches, if you will, to his brothers. His his dad said, David, take this down to your brothers. They're probably hungry. Bring them some lunch. While David was down there feeding them, the Bible says he heard the giant, the Philistine giant, Goliath, yelling insults at God and just saying, you God lovers, you're a bunch of crazy, weak people, and he's just just blasting God's people. And King David is sitting there handing out sandwiches, and he's looking around at Israel's warriors, fully suited with the whole armor of God, but they're shaking in their boots, and they're scared to death to engage in the battle. And David said, what's wrong with you people? And he's handing out sandwiches. And he turns around and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine talking to my God like this? <laughs> That's a huge insult back in the day, by the way, if they called you that. Amen. It means you are an unfit heathen that knows nothing of what you're talking about and you're just blasting the people of God. And he said, man, I'll take this guy down. You guys are all afraid, running around. You look good in these armor. You look good on these chariots and your spears and, and all of that. He said, but none of y'all are, are engaging. You almost are going to defeat the giant if you keep doing this. But David said, I want to show you I'm not an almost kind of guy. Because when a lion came into my herd, I didn't almost take him out. But I took him out completely. I didn't almost take a lion out. But I took him out completely. And this giant, I'm not going to almost take him out. I God's going to deliver him into my hand because I'm an utmost kind of guy. And his brother looked at him and said, man, you're just full of pride. Sometimes pride can be mistaken for confidence. Paul, and uh, David said, this is not pride. This is confidence. What you see in me is I'm no longer an almost kind of guy. What you see in me, I'm going to be an utmost kind of guy. And to you, it may be pride and arrogance, but to me, it's confidence. Not in myself, but in my God whom I serve and he took that giant down why all because he heard the battle he heard the cause he heard sometimes we avoid things and god is sometimes will bring us to a battle you're like God why why are you bringing me in this situation why are you bringing this situation back up again in 2022 I thought we buried it in 2021 I thought our family got over that I thought my relationship was over that but now you're bringing this issue up again I tell you why God is doing it because he's trying to awaken something inside of you so you won't just settle this time and totally put it to the side and keep doing what you're doing he says I want to stir something up on the inside of you that this time you said I'm not going to almost overcome that sin I'm not going to almost overcome that addiction. I'm not going to almost overcome it, but I'm going to do it with all my heart. I'm going to do it with all my heart. Come on, give me some praise today. Hallelujah. Motivation, so much more. You can be, you can be uh, motivated by a good friend. Everybody needs at least one encourager in your circle. Everybody needs a Barnabas in your life. Everybody does. If that's ready, I don't really have one. Then you be the Barnabas and when you become an encourager, people will just be attracted to you because everybody needs encouragement and everybody loves encouragement. Try it, start encouraging. I don't have any encouragement start encouraging people. I thank God for so many of you, our board, our deacons, our leaders. Thank God that you encourage me. I need encouragement. Well Pastor, Ray, you, know, you don't look like you need encouragement. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Come on, yeah, who said that, amen. Yes, I do. One of our brothers not too long ago said, how are you doing, Pastor Eddie? And I said, oh, I'm doing good. He said, no, 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 how are you doing? He said, I served at another church before I came here and I didn't realize the weight and issues that pastors face until I got on the board and got in the inner circle. And I'll make it a habit to ask you, how are you doing? You'd be surprised how many people sitting next to you today that seem to be worshiping and smiling today, really on the inside, they're barely holding on. Some online are barely holding on. Please, if you tuned in today, this is a message for you. God wants to awaken some things in you and get your fight back and get your praise back to motivate you to overcome because he doesn't want you to settle for an almost. God is not an almost kind of guy. He's not an almost kind of God. He doesn't almost set you free. He doesn't almost teach you to swim just to let you drown, the old song said. He doesn't almost let you overcome. The Bible calls us more than overcomers. How about that? He doesn't almost get you set free. David didn't almost kill the giant. God is into taking him and defeating him and cutting their heads off. That sounded very barbaric, but... If you just tuned in. What's that guy saying If you got God in your life, man, you just see life differently. I was That song we sung, if you catch the words of that song, how powerful it is. Death is just a doorway. To, did you hear that? I mean, I was just looking like, man, if people don't have God and they read these lyrics to these songs, they're going to think we are crazy. But Peter, in the, in the epistle Peter, says that some people will call us peculiar people. And all the peculiar people are going, yes, that's my verse. <laughs> Gave you permission to be even more weirder. No, no, no. It means that we just have a different perspective. We see things from an eternal perspective. We see things differently. We see the spirit behind things when you're spiritually awakened. Motivation. Motivation. So i got to get on to the next one. Opportunity. Opportunity. This is, we, we lack accomplishing things because we lack the opportunity. You'll hear sports athletes say, I just lack the opportunity. Coach, put me in. Eddie, I just I just need my opportunity, and I could, I could do this, I could do that, or your boss. Boss, just give me an opportunity to show you how I can run this program. I mean, I just need an opportunity. But this is what, this is what, what I want you to write down next to opportunity. I want you to write opposition. Because opportunities always, always come with opposition. And what I've learned in my own life is that I haven't missed when I have done almost good, when I have almost accomplished things. It's not because I have missed an opportunity. It's because I passed on an opportunity. And I pass on opportunities because my eye is only on the opposition instead of the opportunity. I mean, the Holy Spirit went deep in my little prayer closet while I was fasting, when I was pr- preaching this. And I was like, ooh, it hurt, but it hurt so good, God. That's it, that's my problem. We, we, we don't, it's not that we miss our opportunity, we pass on it. We pass on it many times because there's a cost associated with the opportunity. Paul said it best in Corinthians, he said, a great door, an effective door has opened up to me. However, there are many adversaries. He knew this, what? Opposition always comes with opportunity. Start your own business, you got an opportunity, there's gonna be opposition. Take that promotion at work, go ahead. It's an opportunity, but there will be opposition. And many times we say, I don't want to take that opportunity because, man, I don't know if I can handle that. No, that's good to count the cost. Jesus even said before someone comes to faith in Jesus and becomes a follower of Christ. What did he say? He said, we should all sit down and first consider the cost and count the cost. Jesus said, no man builds a building without first sitting down and counting the cost and saying, wait a minute. How much is this going to cost us? Count the cost is what we did when we got the building. We were like, man, it's got a lot of work to be done. It's got a payment. It's got a septic. It's got this. It's got all these things and elevator and all these monthly payments and all these bills. What were we, what were we doing? We were counting the cost. I remember that, that discussion we had, another discussion. One of them was in the parking lot. But I thank God that we had some encouragers in the circle. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Roger. When I, every, every time I named a problem, one of them spoke up. We can do that. We can do that. Roger said, I'm a plumber. I could do that, I could do that. Well, the parking lot needs fixing. I think we got some parking lot guys. Yeah. We need this, we need this, I need this. Everything, boom, boom, boom. And look what everybody was able to do. We didn't stop because of the opposition, but we seized the opportunity. Come on, this is, this is deep, but this will is, this is change you, man. You get a hold of this. There's always gonna be opposition. Take that relationship to the next level and, and, and get married. Uh-oh, opportunity, but the opposition's going to make you say, no, 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 whatever. Take that job promotion. Look at here. A, script, a chapter earlier, the apostle Paul stood in front of a governor, and Felix was his name. Watch this. And the Bible says that now as Paul reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Boy, that's a three-point message. Felix was afraid, and he answered, go away for now, for when I have a more convenient time, I will call for you. Man, that same thing King Agrippa said with his almost, but this time uh, the governor gave it a reason to why he's not ready, why he's gonna be almost. He said, because it wasn't convenient. It's just not convenient for me to serve God. Pastor ready? gotta come to church every Sunday? I, I gotta live this life every day? I got to read the Bible every day? That's just not convenient. I got to give what to who? I got to forgive who? I got to pray for who? What you talking about, Willis? I got to do what? You want me to go what? How many miles with who? What you talking about? No, 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 no. It's inconvenient for me to go that way. That's exactly what Governor's saying to Paul. He's saying, man, when it's more convenient... I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, this is my year. Yes, I'm all in this time. And you know what? He didn't get another chance either. Once Paul left that region, that was it. Governor Felix had a a couple of opportunities. The Bible says he would even come down by, by himself to the prison to visit Paul because he would then want to hear more. But he was also looking for the Jewish people to give him money. He was just all corrupt. It was too convenient. It was inconvenient for him to follow God. I love what Thomas Edison, listen to this quote. He said, most people miss opportunity because it is dressed in overalls and it looks like work. (laughs) These old school dudes, man, they knew, they had it. That's why they built America. (laughs) I mean, these guys, these great entrepreneurs, that's how they succeeded. Thomas Edison failed making the light bulb. You probably heard this over a hundred times and they said, look, man, you have failed 99 times. He said, I did not fail 99 times. I just discovered 99 ways a light bulb will not work. It's a mindset. I'm telling you, it's a mindset. And God has just given me this message for us and as a group, as a body, as believers, as individuals, let's not be almost kind of Christians. Let's go to that next level and finish strong. Follow God. Let our hearts burn for Him all the way through. Take that next opportunity. Going to church, I remember my only day off. That was big. That was the last couple of things I, I prayed about. Was you know We had no online, nothing. You kidding me? Remember the dialogue? <laughs> <laughs> that god awful sound? That was the only thing we had. Online, what? No, you had to physically get up, get dressed, get the kids dressed. Which no matter if we put the outfits out on Saturday night, Sunday morning, there was a demon that would come through our house. Make the kids sick, have them fighting, have them can't find the clothes, car won't start, I mean what the dog's sick, everything. Learn how to say, am I going to look at the opposition? Am I going to take this opportunity? It's my only day off. Love to sleep in. I'm tired of getting up at 3.30 in the morning. Am I going to take my only day off and just have a me day? It is important to have a me day, by the way. I'm not against that. You need a Sabbath. But this is a day that the Lord has made. This is the Lord's day. Am I going to, what am I going to do? It's opposition. And I went, but I'm going to miss football. That was huge for me. I know it's just a sport. To many and it's a sport just to me i am i love it but that was a i got up in the morning man we started drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning Watched the pregame show it was football all the way to midnight and that that was my life and for me when god was working in my life to bring me out of that old life and to follow him i had to count the cost on these things as silly as that may sound but i was like yeah god i'm going to give you my everything i'm not going to almost serve you i'm going to give you everything and i could take you back in periods of my life After I got saved and was coming to church, then I was asked to join this ministry, which also required me to stay a little longer after Sunday. And we didn't have a DVR. And that was my only day off. Have I told you that? And now you want me to stay after and do what? Opposition or opportunity? I had opportunities, and every opportunity God has given me is an opposition. Sometimes we think the weight of of a dream is, is heavy on us sometimes. I want this to happen so bad in our life. If I only was able to make that business take off, if my relationship would only go to that next level, right? That's a burden that we carry many times for our dream to come to pass. And we think when that dream comes to pass that we're gonna be, uh, you know, totally lifted and everything. Let me tell you something. There's a burden with the dream. There's a burden that also comes with the blessing. When it gets there and you start walking in that new life. There's always gonna be opposition. At every level that you walk in, every door God opens up for you, there's always. Your question is, are you gonna just almost, or are you gonna utmost it? It depends which one you're gonna focus on more. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Spirit of God, I can't, man, the Holy Spirit gave me this. I can't go any, I cannot, this is so important. The Spirit of God is the S in the almost. You cannot, you cannot accomplish things, there are just some things you can't do without God. So Amen. You know, there, there, are, there are many things in Zechariah 4, 6. It says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Galatians was a church that started out spiritually. They started out in the spirit. But then they begin to get all ugly and and get into the flesh and and flesh got in there and and groups got in there and jealousies got in there. And they begin to tear down a beautiful, healthy church into a carnal, competitive, nasty uh, church. And Paul says this, having begun with the spirit, are you now trying to end with the flesh? What God has birthed in all of us in the spirit cannot be accomplished in the flesh. Please get a hold of that. What God has birthed in your heart, what God has birthed in my heart, what he has given us a dream, direction, purpose, we cannot finish it in the flesh. It has to be finished in the spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Man, I learned this so much. What does that mean? I mean, you've got to rely more on the Holy Spirit. Walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Learn. That's my prayer for this year for me, personally. I want to walk more in step with the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't care what CDC says and HWO and the White House, Green House, Blue House, or anybody else's house. I mean, they're saying this, wear a mask, wear this mask, take this shot, don't take this shot, wear a mask while you're sleeping, get up and repeat everything until you die. I mean, if you listen, then no, 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 we want to backtrack. Don't want you to do this. We all know how crazy it is. Have we ever stopped for a minute and just unplug everything and say, God, the maker of the universe, what do you want to say to me today? Come on, give me some praise today. Give, Give him some praise today for being God. He is God. He has the answer. He has the answer to what we need. He has the answer to what you're looking for. He has the little answers in your relationship, in your ministry, in your job, in your careers. He can give you the answer. He can give you wisdom. When I got saved, I began to work my job, secular job, and I got four raises in one quarter. I never did that. I was always on security or or, uh, um, probation. (laughs) Always. Strike two, mark them, you know, just always messing up. Not showing up on time. This is a mess. Almost good employee. But I believe when you get God in your life, he fixes everything in our life. If we'll let him, if we'll let him. Come on, church, if we'll let him. And I begin to, he began to give me ideas. I could advance and work. And I just got my job done. And half of the thing was just show up on time as nobody else was. And God just began to bless. But the spirit of God, willpower, I have said this before, willpower is not strong enough to break sin's power.
1: You can have a lot of,
0: um, you know, a strong-willed mind person and have a lot of energy and be just a a lot of drive in your life. But to really overcome certain things in your life, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. You are going to need the Holy Spirit of God. Almost, Pastor Eddie, you almost get me on that Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm okay with knowing about Jesus, but then you start talking about that Holy Spirit thing. You know, you almost get me to really want to pray in the Spirit and have that. But, well, you don't want the power. You know, when, I, when I begin to pray this message, for instance, I was in there, begin to just pray in the Holy Spirit. I begin to just pray in the Holy Spirit. My mind went to everything from the carpet, to the wall, to the door. I forgot to do this like it does you, like it does me every time. And then all of a sudden as I continue to just pray and pray in the Holy Ghost, you know what my mind began to do? My mind began to go down West Virginia to my family where my cousin just passed away. They were not even on my mind, but the Spirit just instantly began to pray. How many know the scripture says that we pray mysteries when the Holy Spirit speaks through you? That's why when you begin to pray in that new level of prayer, in the, in the Holy Spirit, people's faces will come to you. People's names will come to you. Situations will come to you that you have not even been thinking of. What's going on? The Holy Spirit is praying through you. You hear me today? That's exactly what the Holy Spirit began to do. I need to go to that next level. I need that extra gear in life. I need that extra gear in life. And it comes to the Holy Spirit. And he gave me this, this, almost thing, a lack of motivation, opportunity, spirit of God. These are the things that causes us to almost accomplish things. I said, God, I've never heard this before in my life. This is amazing. I was just gonna keep it as notes and put it in leadership teaching or something. But I said, no, I'm gonna bring it to the pulpit. And then last Sunday, the Holy Spirit showed up I said, okay, maybe I won't preach it. And then this week, I started to go on something else. Almost a Christian. But God said, no, I want you to say this. So hopefully it's helping you. I might need some encouragement after this. I don't know, amen. Amen. (laughs) Last one, tenacity. Lord, help us. This is tenacity. This is what causes so many of us to almost do things. What is tenacity? It's the quality of being able to grip something firmly. This is why so many of us almost do things. We just don't hold on. We don't hold on. We don't hold on. We just let go. We, we got and that's part of our character. I think that's a character thing. Always been a type of person that just won't hold, won't stay committed real long. You know, Jesus told the parable of the so- soils. It's the most popular a parable. It's the only parable that Jesus said. If you understand this parable, you'll understand all of them. It's the only parable in all three Gospels. No parable is in John, but it, this one's in all three. And it talks about four different soils. The farmer went out to sow seed. You remember that story? How many remember that parable? Amen. I if you're online, put your hand emoji up. You remember that? You remember that parable? And the seed stays the same in all four grounds. What's different? The grounds. What's the grounds? People's hearts. The problem is never in the word. The problem is never God. It's never the Holy Spirit. Our problem is what kind of heart we are receiving the word. <sighs> already heard that, Pastor Eddie. Yep, you're a hard ground. Boom. The seed goes right to the side and the birds of the air come get this. Let me go a little deeper with that. You know what will soften a hard ground? There's only one thing that will soften around. There's actually two things that will soften a hard ground. A rototiller. That's when you go through some things and God begins to pull some things up in your life. Let me just minister this to you. Is God starting this year off with pulling some things up? That's his Holy Ghost rototiller going through there. He's not doing it to be mean. He's not doing it to be harsh. He's doing it to break up that hard ground because he's got some seed to put in you today. Second thing that will soften a hard ground is the only thing is a storm. Only rain. Why does the storm have to come, Pastor ready? God, why do we have to go through that storm? Why is everything closing on me at work? Why is this relationship going this way? Why is your favor seems to be leaving my life? And now I'm in the flesh trying to fight this battle. i got an attitude. i got doubt. i got discouragement. I'm getting in my own mind. What's going on? Why is the storm coming upon me? Because he wants to soften that hard ground. Come on, that's good. To put some seed in there. Put some seed in there. He wants to bring you from an almost kind of person and build a little tenacity in you. You've struggled with tenacity your whole life. You've been at four different jobs in six months. You've went this way. You've been through how many relationships and how long you've been through this. You've always started things and not finished. You've always been an almost kind of person. Well, God says, I love you too much to leave you like that. I want to bring you from almost to the utmost. Sometimes I got to take you through this little wilderness right here. i got to take you to this little wilderness right here, because I want to build tenacity. I want to close with this one quote, Martin Luther King, tomorrow we celebrate his life with an awesome man of God. I love what he said. He says, I love this, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Man, that's anointed if I've ever heard it. If you can't run, I can't run like you, Pastor Eddie. But then walk. Well, I can't even walk. Then crawl. Get on your hands and knees and be like the woman with the issue of blood that said, I haven't held on to a lot of relationships. I haven't held on to a lot of goals. But if I can get one more chance, I'll go past the opposition. And I want to grab a hold of the hem of his garment. And I'm gonna get my healing. And what happened? She did. What would have happened if she almost? Right. What if she said, "Man, the opposition, getting the opportunity. Jesus is coming by. The opportunity. Jesus is finally gonna come by. And I finally got my opportunity to get out there. But look at the crowd. Man, I don't want to get in front of all them people. I don't want to go." I don't want to be in that crowd. I don't want to get up and go to church. I don't want to get in my Bible today. I just want to read these videos. I just want I don't want I don't want to, want to, tenacity. She said, no, I need it more than, than, I'm sick of this problem. She took a risk. She went through. She didn't almost get her healing. The Bible says she grabbed a hold of his garment and Jesus stopped and said, whoa, somebody touched me. I love it. His disciple says, everybody's been touchy, touching you. Jesus said, no, everyone's been bumping into me, but there's only one that touched me. Everybody's bumping into Jesus. Oh, yeah, put it on Facebook. i got to have this quote. i got good vibes I want to say Everybody loves to bump into Jesus. Many people bumped into worship today. Many are online bumping into Jesus, but he's looking for somebody that's got some tenacity it's that said, I don't want to bump into Jesus. I want to hold on to Jesus. I want to grab a hold of Jesus. I want to grab him where the anointing is, and I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. I'm going to be like Jacob who wrestled with the angel. I didn't almost get my breakthrough, but I grabbed a hold of that angel. And that angel said, man, it's time to let go. He said, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until you, I'm not going to almost get my blessing. I'm not going to almost get my blessing. Are you hearing me today? I'm not going to almost finish this year. I'm not going to almost finish what God's called us to do, but I'm going to hold on. I'm gonna hold on, I'm gonna hold on, I'm gonna hold on, hallelujah. If you're ready to hold on and you don't wanna be an almost type kind of person, I want you to stand to your feet right now. No more, I'm not selling for almost, I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand, that's it right now, that's it right now, that's it right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not gonna let go, I'm not not gonna let go when I get offended, when I get offended. Did you hear me say when I get offended? Not if you get offended, you're gonna get offended. Offenses shall come. James says, we all offend everybody, one time or another. And that's when some people let go. That's the word from the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to let go. God wants to know there's some people here that ain't going to let go. If I get offended, that's okay. I'm holding on. Because the enemy knows what got you last time, he's going to send it back to you again. There's no new weapon. The devil don't have any new weapon because his old weapons have been working for so long. I'm going to get that family offended. That's all I got. Well, they're going all on fire for God. Oh, yeah, let's see. I'm, I'm going to have this person come and just dump all on them. I'm going to send this person in their life and slow them down. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I think I got some people today that says, you know what? I, I'm used to that trick. I, I know what's up with that trick. I've got some tenacity. I'm holding on this time. How many's going to hold on this time? How many's going to hold on this time? You're going to hold on this time. Come on. You're going to hold on. Those of you at home, you're going to hold on this time. They tell us when you watch live stream right around the third week, third week when you attend church, the third is always the hardest. Even in your week of fast, wasn't Wednesday and thir- Thursday the hardest? It's always the third week going to, some of you came to church twice in a row, two weeks in a row. Next week is gonna be a challenge, I'm gonna tell you. Or the fourth, that's how it always is. That's your breaking point. I had a friend that served God for eight months. I don't know what it was about the eight months. Got free from drugs and alcohol, everything, but every, eight months he, and he even said that down at life challenge when he went to the program he said eddie i just can't get past the eight months i said you need to get along with god and you need to find out the problem because until you get victory over that problem you're gonna stumble every time that thing comes next time i went down there he said you know what my problem was i read it in, in acts peter stood up and said to everyone repent and be converted he said my problem was i've never been converted that was a deep thing that god revealed to him you know what a convertible does a car does this i grew up old school remember transformers transformer i mean we used to be in a playground we used to go i mean we used to do all that right i mean a transformer would look like a car then all of a sudden it gets up and it's a totally different machine he said my problem was i just would hear the message i would just listen to it. i'd bump into jesus but i wouldn't change i wouldn't convert i always Almost became a christian eddie that's been my problem and it took me six months to realize that well no more i'm gonna coldly convert to him hallelujah just lift your hands to the lord right now let's just pray let the holy spirit just do a work in your life holy spirit whether you're online or you're in you're in person i want you to just invite the holy spirit right into your heart right now if you're tired of the almost in your life just ask him to get in there and break that off your life don't be like King Agrippa this is your chance to respond to the message I done preached how are you gonna respond oh it's a good message Pastor Eddie I love those stories man you know what I'm just gonna be all right right here don't please don't do that friend don't do that man don't do that God's got another whole world for you man don't be like King of Griffin. Don't let your moment get passed by. I'm going to ask my altar team, guys, come on up. They're going to be up here. And if you feel comfortable, if you feel comfortable, you can pray at your seat. I understand that. But there's something about when having someone agree with you in prayer. Those of you watching online, go ahead and put your prayer request online. In the comments, we will pray for you. There's someone there to pray for you. But if you need prayer, for anything. It can be something you're going to go see a doctor this week or anything. But especially if you got this almost deficit in your life. One of the points steps out. Maybe it's the opposition. Might be the motivation. I don't know. But if you need prayer, I want you to come out of your seat. We're going to sing one more song. And I want you to come on up and get some prayer today. Get some prayer today before you leave out of this place. Well, amen and amen.